0: Hey everybody, we are recording our second episode for Patreon, which I'm super excited about. Uh, If you're familiar, we are taking one 60s character at a time and just doing deep dives into characters that nobody else is going to cover. And today we are going to focus on the character Kukulkan, uh, who we have done some focused episodes on the podcast about in issue reviews, but never an analysis of the character uh, himself. Uh, This is from X Men Volume 1, Numbers 25 and uh, 26. We'll talk about that today. I am thrilled to be joined by my dear friend who I have missed, 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 uh, uh, Ms. Gabriella Garbaro. Hi, Gabriela. how are you?
1: Hello, I'm great. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: I'm so happy to have you. Uh, you've been going through uh, lots of life changes in the last few months. Give me an update on what's happening.
1: Yeah, so we moved, we bought a house, and um, I use a wheelchair for anybody who can't see me which is everybody listening um and so i'm really excited because the house we moved into is fully wheelchair accessible even like stuff that you wouldn't think is wheelchair accessible like getting into the front door didn't have to worry about steps the bathroom was accessible everything was great so i'm very excited um, and yeah i'm stoked we're still unpacking um, and uh yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, but I'm happy to be getting back to recording the podcast and being it with you.
0: It takes so long to settle into a new place. We bought our place, uh, I don't know, almost two years ago now. And I feel like we still have like rooms where we haven't hung anything on the walls yet. <laughs> the boxes See, are still stacked in the garage.
1: People keep saying that. And that's like my worst fear. I can't handle two years of like boxes everywhere. I know I'll have to. But we
0: have this one wall where we've like we brought the portraits out and we like laid them against the wall and all we have to do is pick them up and nail it in and I they've been there for like six months and I just keep (laughs) going. We need to do that and it just keeps not happening. We'll get there. But I'm thrilled for you. This is a big deal. Um, Yeah. I know. uh, I know you or at least your partner had COVID recently. We were chatting. uh We had our turn with it a few months ago. I hope you're both okay
1: yeah we're doing good. Yesterday was rough, but we're we're good today. and luckily, like my fiance had it or has it, I guess. and I've always tested negative, even though we live together. so I don't know how that's happening. Maybe I have a secret genetic immunity to it. That'd be I mean, fine.
0: that maybe that's your mutant power. that's yeah, a- sounds like it can you believe
1: that can you believe that me with chronic illness my mutant powers I don't get this one specific illness.
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can catch anything but COVID
1: (laughs) (laughs) anything Uh, and everything
0: (laughs) um it's uh for those of you that are not familiar with Gabriella uh go back and listen to uh, her first appearance on our podcast was the conversation around ableism Uh, It's inspiring and wonderful and lovely and she's come back for a couple of issue reviews where we uh, dish about Professor X and all kinds of stuff. Gabrielle, I love your, uh, the way you see the world and your insight into things. I love you as a writer and as a person. Uh, I'm so happy to be your friend. I'm thrilled you're here.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to be yours too.
0: Uh, so we're gonna talk about Khan today. Let me do um, uh, just kind of a little introduction to this character. So 1964, Roy Thomas went, uh, we interviewed him on the podcast and I re-listened to the interview in preparation for this. Uh, Roy Thomas went driving around Mexico with a friend and he climbed some pyramids and saw old statues and imagery. And a few years later in late 1966, he took over writing the X-Men from Stan Lee and Roy was looking for new villains for the X-Men to fight. And he had these kind of images in his mind of this trip to Mexico he took, uh, where I'm assuming, I didn't hear specifically, but he got to you know climb some of the, uh, the Chichen Itza or, or some of those famous uh, uh, pyramids that people go to. I've never been. Uh, uh, so he has this idea of this ancient Mesoamerican serpent deity who is uh, so integral to our understanding of, of Mayan and Incan cultures. Uh, and it's the uh, it's the guy Kukulkan the the god Kukulkan uh, who was worshipped by the Yucatan Maya people. Um, Roy credits Werner Roth with the design of the Kukulkan character uh, though he says me you know maybe I sent what sent Werner some reference material uh, and then they designed uh, one of my favorite X-Men villains from the 60s just based on the design itself is this villain. Now Marvel is full of pantheons of gods. They've got the Asgardian gods and the Olympian gods, the Greek gods. Uh, There are characters that have been fleshed out. Uh, Sometimes these gods join teams. Uh, I just saw the new Thor movie, uh, where Thor goes to omnipotent city and fights uh, Zeus in the arena as a bunch of gods from all over the place, uh, including uh, Bao, the god of dumplings, which made my children laugh. Uh, so this, the concept of gods in, more, in, in Marvel mythology are, are characters that kind of live on other dimensional realms, and generally they're immortal, and they have powers or influence over humankind, and a lot of their gods are fictional, uh, all of them are fictional, but a lot of them are based on actual gods that cultures uh, worshipped or represented, and one of those is, is uh, Kukul Khan. Uh, I don't know, Gabriella, share, share your thoughts with me on... Uh, the concept of kukulcan if you're familiar before we get into the comic book version
1: yes so the the this is solved i just wanted to know learning about Khan has solved a question that i've had since i was in like third grade which is why in the like mayan pyramids is there a ramp down the front you know it's like steps in a ramp instead of just being I guess in Egypt, is it steps? I don't know. I can't tell.
0: Is I don't know.
1: I think there's steps, but they're really, really narrow. So I don't know. Anyway, my excitement was at a 10 this morning because I found out that the reason that there's a ramp in the front is because that's where the snake comes out. That's Fascinating. where the snake comes out. I know. So I'm so excited about that. That answered the question. I thought the, the ramp was specifically for when I visit Sometime in life, but apparently, apparently I'm just second. But you know what? I can still use the ramp until he comes out. So
0: wheelchairs up the ramp, snakes down the ramp.
1: Yeah, and i <laughs> that's almost like horrible because that means I'll never come down. So I'm like a sacrifice. I actually love that. I love that idea. Like just wheel us up one by one, never come out. Anyway, that's really uh, exciting to me. And I was I was so interested to look at his costume in the comic because it's like so fabulous
0: gorgeous
1: yeah it's amazing it's I love
0: it. gorgeous so gabrielle and i although we did not know this when we first met which was through my podcast uh we both grew up lds and gabrielle you can share if you want to here but The the Mormon culture, which I am not affiliated with any longer, if we have any Mormon listeners, this is not meant to be offensive, but I am going to give this an analytical eye. Uh, The Mormon Church is based on the concept of uh, the introduction of a book of scripture called the Book of Mormon, which tells the quote-unquote, which I now believe to be very fictional, uh, history of the people of ancient America and their relationship with Christ, which is an interesting thing. And in the the Book of Mormon, they tell a story about Jesus after his death visiting the people in the Americas. And Mormons in modern times like to say, oh, you know, here's this white God that visited these brown people. And he was glowing and he came down from the sky and they called him the feathered serpent. So Jesus is actually Khan, which of course is not at all accurate, but I grew up believing these weird beliefs. Uh, and so my understanding of the God Khan growing up, uh, I know I knew it meant the feathered serpent or uh, sometimes they call him Quetzalcoatl. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> there's a, a fictional series that I read when I was LDS as a youth Called Tennis Shoes Among the Nephites. <laughs> it's a story by uh, I think his name is something Heimerdinger I, I, uh, uh, about modern kids who go like travel through time, and in one of the books they see Jesus come back to these people, and they're like, "Oh, it's Quetzalcoatl, it's the feathered serpent, it's the uh, it's Kukulkan. and uh, clearly that is not the case. But that was that was my exposure to this this god or this mythical god that so many people believed in. Uh, growing up in my very white heteronormative religion, <laughs> I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Gabriella.
1: That's so interesting. Because were you raised in Utah?
0: I was not. I was raised in uh, in rural Missouri, like the Missouri Ozarks, the kind of place where like That's... Mormons would drive like an hour to get to church. But my family was like very, very in the religion still.
1: Okay, so I'm in St. Louis, and I was mm-hmm. born and raised in St. Louis. I never heard that. I never heard. The a cool thing. I never heard that it was Kukulkan. Never in my entire life until this moment.
0: Oh my god, I've oh heard it so many there. times, like Jesus was Kukulkan.
1: <laughs> See, that's so funny because when I was, a, I also left the church, but when I was in the church, the whole, like, what about real history? Like, what about, you know, the Mayans and Aztecs? It was always hand-waved as, like, don't worry about it. Just, just, it. Sh- 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 sh-. just, like, read your scriptures. It's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Literally, the Book of Mormon takes the Mayan history, which is researched by thousands and thousands of years uh, by by archaeologists and scholars, and they take it and they're like, "Here's the true history of these people. They used to be white Jewish people, and they came to the Americas. And the good people got white skin, and God cursed the bad people with dark skin, and they call them Nephites and Lamanites." And this book is meant to tell like the history of these people and it's total cultural appropriation and it's nonsense, but I did not oh, realize yeah. that when I was a youth, now I can see it with very clear eyes. Uh, and I, I, even now as, as a person, I am not a scholar or an expert in Mayan or Incan civilization at all. Uh, we are two friends talking about comic books and our own cultural experiences, <laughs> but there are many other people who are much better equipped to speak about these, uh, these cultures, of course.
1: Man, and honestly, if it did, if it did, if it had, if if when I was growing up, I had thought that it was actually like intermixed with like real history. It it, it I probably would have stayed in it a couple more years at least. but That's interesting. Interesting. Or, yeah, and I remember. whitewashed
0: history at the very least.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Of course. Like not real. But anyway, that's crazy. I can't believe that. I, you like blew my mind today. Well, you're
0: you're welcome. You can ask your your Mormon loved ones about this (laughs) later.
1: I'm sure they will have no clue what I'm talking about. Like, they'll be like, what? The Mayans? I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah, so when I read this book, this this 60s book, uh, featuring this character, Kukul Khan, I was like, oh, that's Jesus. But they didn't do that in the X-Men. And of course, ridiculous nonsense thoughts now. (laughs) Uh, Marvel loves to, and many, many comic book companies, Love to take the god cultures of other civilizations and then explore them in comic book format, right? So uh, Hercules and Thor are hugely prominent characters in the book, but they are they are they are characters from other people's mythology. Uh, and Kukulkan's an example of that, but we only see him for a couple of issues. We see them take this pantheon of gods as worshipped by the Aztecs or the Mayans, and uh, and give them some. Uh, some appearances now the god kukul khan is part of this pantheon of gods that has appeared in other places in marvel comics but this is kind of the the only storyline where we see him kind of the direct focus is these two issues where uh where they fight the x-men kukul khan's used in a lot of other places too right like They've brought him into Star Trek and in like Tomb Raider, and like it's an ancient god that people are obsessed with. It's a feathered serpent, right? Like that's that's amazing. Uh, and we see examples of these giant feathered serpents used in different places in Marvel comics. I'm not going to cover all that in super huge detail today. Uh, I want to focus more on this specific storyline and what happens. Uh, but uh, but really interesting thoughts. I don't know what, what are you anything you want to share there?
1: I'm so sorry, there's a car outside, but um, I uh, I, I wonder if they're going to bring him into the MCU ever because they're starting to talk more about gods like you mentioned with the, Thor, the most recent Thor movie they showed a whole bunch of them and with Moon Knight I don't know if you watched that mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Disney Plus but they showed a lot of Egyptian gods and they talked a lot about that whole like system and I'm just I'm so curious about if they're going to have him ever.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, from the Egyptian pantheon alone, Khonshu and Moon Knight obviously is used in Marvel all yeah. the time. Uh, the god Set uh, or the Snake God is someone who fights Thor for extended runs throughout his history. I mean, there's a lot of this stuff, uh, yeah. and the Greek the Greek gods, of course, uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the usage of the you know Zeus or Hermes or uh, um, oh good lord, all of the Greek and
1: all gods. of them, of yeah. <laughs>
0: But they're, <laughs> used, they're used regularly in Hercules comics or in other books, uh-huh. uh, Athena. I mean, there's a ton, um, but yeah, I, it's interesting. I doubt, I don't see them using Cuckoo any anytime soon, although we have a story here that gives them the option. They just got to find the pendant again. We'll That's talk about true. that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's jump in. Um, On the cover of X-Men number 25, we get to see the four male members of the X-Men rushing toward a new foe inside of a Mayan temple. Uh, The images along the sides are ancient statues of gods lining the walls. And there is a man, uh, we see him from the back, with golden skin and a purple ornate headdress. He's facing them with his arms outstretched. uh, And a caption box reads, featuring the menace of El Tigre. And this is an image of Kukulkan himself. Uh, We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on this cover? It it definitely tosses the X Men into a new culture or a new space, uh, and it's interesting. It's intriguing as a reader to see them go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, it definitely made me want to read like and see what he actually looked like because you only see him from the back, right?
0: Mm-hmm. At yeah, least on the cover, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I like. I want to. I want to see what the headdress looked like. It was fantastic.
0: When I grew up, I read a lot of choose-your-own-adventure books. I don't know if you ever read those, mm-hmm. and yeah. every book would seem to take you to a new place. Like you'd be underwater, and then you'd be in outer space. And one of the very first books takes you to like the Mayan civilization. Like this is something that writers in the '60s, '70s, '80s were obsessed with. Indiana Jones takes us here. We want to go explore these ancient pyramids and figure out their secrets. And and uh, now it's the X Men's turn.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember those books too. They were very like, they were very like, here's a very exotic experience that you'll never have. And then like, you grow up and actually like see things that happen in the books and you're like, oh, this is just like real people and regular stuff. Okay. Like it goes to show like the excitement of being a kid, you know, I found it really was exciting to do things.
0: Now, we have a whole episode of Gray Malkin Lane on issue number 25. Uh, we have some discussions about the problematic portrayal of Hispanic or South American characters. Uh, I'm not going to get a ton into that today. I want to focus a little bit more on the joy of these issues, but there are uh, there are problems in the way these characters are portrayed a little bit. Uh, uh, and it, go, go listen to that episode if you like. When we open the book, we see the four male members of the X-Men Standing off against El Tigre and his two uh his two cronies for lack of a better for lack of a better term. Uh they're they're all dressed in like very uh traditional Mexican or Hispanic garb. One of them is wheeling bolos, wielding bolos, and he has like uh he looks like someone who would perform in like a cultural dance kind of. There's a sombrero and a blanket over his shoulder. <laughs> Uh, El Tigre himself looks like a bullfighter in some ways. He's got the giant cape and the big hat. Uh, and then we see another character in a poncho with a machete. They're all standing in front of a giant pendant, which is kind of the focus of this issue where the uh, the Kukulkan pendant in the background is what gives someone his godlike powers. Uh, but it's a really pretty image still, uh, kind of arena style where the, these teams are gonna face off with each other. Uh, did you have thoughts on that, Gabrielle?
1: Yeah. I. I did notice the sombrero, and I like—I'm it sure out loud I went, "Uh oh!" what we're <laughs> gonna talk about that. Oh no! But yeah, it's it's definitely like a a different type of uh, representation than what I think would happen now. And I'd be curious if the same story was written now, how different it would be shown because at its at its core. It's not offensive, but the way that it's like shown is a little bit like borderline. Like maybe you shouldn't have been a sombrero and a I mean, poncho. I
0: I think at the very least, modern writers, if they were white and straight, would consult with someone to oh, make sure yeah. that to make sure that the cultural portrayal is okay or correct. But ideally, we'd One have we'd be having people from these cultures writing these characters, or at least at least consulting on them. Yeah, uh, but, I'd be uh,
1: curious. I'd be curious about what a more modern and like informed illustration of them would look like. I'm, I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, uh, I would love to see uh, the Kukulcan character back. I actually really love him. Uh, yeah. So I want to be very clear. We're gonna read some lines of dialogue today. This takes place in the fictional country of San Rico. Uh, Marvel, I think, recognized if we actually put this in Peru or Argentina or Chile or or any of these other places, it might be a problem. So they created a new country. And it's it's literally only appears in these two issues. I don't think we've ever really seen uh, San Rico again, unless you consider El Tigre's uh, future appearances and Kisar to be there. We'll talk about that later. Um, uh, the X-Men saves some teens from a burning orphanage. And then we uh, scene change to quote the steaming, luxuriant wilds of South America. Uh, uh, these these wilds are uh, are described just the way that you like your men, Gabriella, both steaming and luxuriant.
1: Ooh. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> nope. <laughs> And uh, I'm not going to do accents here. I think it's okay for white people to do white accents, but I'm not going to, I think it would just be straight up racist to try to do accents. So I'm going to read these in my voice.
1: Probably a good
0: choice. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a solid decision on my part. Uh, but we we uh, we go to El Tigre. Uh, he's uh, hiking through the jungle with Ramon and Tolak, who are his kind of hired men that he is uh, just slave driving in order to try to find uh, the hidden pyramid of the Mayan god Kukul Khan. Uh, He says out loud, at last my years of patience and toil are rewarded. Now I, Juan Maroz, known to other gem hunters as El Tigre and a caption box. Make sure you know that you can pronounce it Tigre, T-E-E hyphen G-R-A-Y. I shall be the richest man in San Rico. Uh, What do do you think about this guy El Tigre, Gabriela?
1: First of all, I love the fact that despite all of like the broad strokes that they take by like putting it in a fictional country and doing all that. It's really, really, really important to them that you say it right. When you say it out loud, you have to say (laughs) it right. Um, I think it's cute. I think it's cute. Um, I also think it's funny that it starts out with gem hunters and like treasure hunters. It just, not to be too like, like, yes, I'm modern very educated about racism, but like just that they were kind of like following in the footsteps of like conquerors, like going into like a Hispanic kind of land to like, I don't know, dig up a bunch of like gem, like it just, oh, yuck.
0: Ironically, you'd think it would change. Just before I sat down to talk to you, I recorded X-Men number 51, if I'm getting my number right. Uh, mm-hmm. with Dan Jurgens, And in the backup story, we go to Beast's Origins, and he fights the character Conquistador, who is also <laughs> dressed in like culturally appropriated uh, uh, terms. It's another South American guy who's Got a base in Iowa, and he kidnaps Beast's parents and wants to rule the world. So, a
1: base in Iowa, interesting.
0: <laughs> yep, we talked about him in our episode recording. So, <laughs> um, uh, El Tigre orders Ramon and Tolak to set up camp, and uh, he believes that they despise him, and... This is again white writers putting these words in his mouth, but he calls them Indians in his mind, uh, which is not what they are. They're uh, the San Rican citizens, but uh, any anything non-white back then was just kind of tossed into the Indians category, which is '60s dated reference. Uh, the men ask if they can start digging for treasure in the morning, and Lt. Gray shouts, "Witless fool!" I, I like how I'm making him slightly British. he demands
1: you have have like that mid-atlantic accent the one that the one that doesn't exist anymore that's like kind of british kind of american
0: i grew up i grew up in uh in missouri with like a drawl when i was a kid like hey you want to come pint my house you know like it it was Mm -hmm. pretty bad and then we moved to the rocky mountains when i was an adolescent and now when i talk it's like a weird mix of those and people think i'm from canada all the time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, anyway, that's uh, that's mine. Uh, he's, he shows a witness fool and he d- demands that they begin digging now. Uh, they are looking to exploit the treasures of an ancient civilization. There are lots of reports bit- written out there about people over the years who raided like Egyptian pyramids or Mayan pyramids and just spoiled uh, 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 entire understandings of cultures to make a quick buck. So this is a problem. Again, we're not gonna focus on that. Uh, He even agrees to help them dig, and hours later, they come across a treasure, a giant box uh, under the earth. They remove the lid to find a glowing golden treasure underneath, uh, one that apparently has a curse placed on it, but El Tigre doesn't fucking care. He says, bah, what care I for ancient superstitions, the tales of old wives? Uh, He flips over a golden goblet, and a stone falls out which turns out to be half of the powerful pendant of Kukulkan, uh, quote. He says, I, Juan Meros have explored two continents in my search for treasures hidden by ancient tribes, but I have never beheld its like. Uh, he doesn't know if it's worth anything, so he puts it in his pocket and goes to sleep. Uh, <laughs> tell me your thoughts on uh, El Tigre uh, and, uh, and Ramon and Tolaq, uh so far.
1: Well, I love like all, like all, you know wanna be rich men he just like put it in his pocket and went to sleep didn't try to find you know the other half or look around or you know do anything productive just like well cool go to sleep i think that was funny um yeah i'm i'm excited to see where the story goes i do think he's a little bit like caricature of a villain which obviously like what more can I ask for but I think it's funny and I think uh I love that it's also glowing like they could not make it more obvious that this one object is like the center of what the story is going to be about like not only is it not only is it cut in half but it's also like hello I'm the gem that's gonna make you into a different person
0: and it looks like a piece of cheese in his hand
1: (laughs) yeah it does
0: I will I will fully admit as a gay man uh El Tigre is in this costume where he's like in a purple shirt and it is like buttoned down to his navel and uh he's he's looking pretty fine I'll Uh I'll admit he gets he revs my motor a little bit
1: (laughs) it's true although I don't know I don't know if I could deal with him stealing my jewelry
0: yeah, at least this guy doesn't have like world domination plots. He just he just wants a quick buck. But God, he's an yeah, asshole.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so uh, that night, uh, Ramon and Tolak wait until El Tigre is sleeping. They sneak up on him. Uh, they want to make him work for them instead. They are tired of his shit. Uh, but the Pendant like telepathically warns El Tigre that they're sneaking up on him. So without even trying to, he just like lashes out at them with a blast of golden light. We're gonna learn the Pendant and Khan have like powers to channel solar energy later, uh, but he just zaps them. And uh, the light like is shining out of his forehead and he yells, spineless dolts, do you think to dispose thus of El Tigre? Uh, he telekinetically ties them up in their own ropes Uh, But he lets, he agrees to let the men live so long as they promise obedience that he like makes them swear fealty. And they're like, oh yes, yes, it's not going to last. They're going to try to turn him against him later. But, uh, but holy shit, he's got this pendant in his pocket. And now he's like, holy man, I, uh, I, I can suddenly read the hieroglyphs on the side of this temple. I don't know if they're officially called hieroglyphs. He calls them hieroglyphs.
1: I was going to ask the same question because I feel like hieroglyphs are an egyptian thing but maybe that's just because we usually see them as
0: egyptian yeah i don't know what those are called uh again the mormon of it all right like uh oh yeah i remember books of scripture like having hieroglyphs in the back and like mormon leaders would be like this is what these things mean and then scholars would be like that's not what that means at all (laughs) (laughs) We can, we can get into all that. Uh, but according to the hieroglyphs, he learns that this is, he's holding part of an enchanted amulet, which is carved from a magic stone. Uh, Marvel has lots of like magic alien stones that fell to <sighs> earth that shit ship got carved out of. Uh, And he says, already I have received mental powers from it. And it is further written that he who possesses both halves of the pendant shall enjoy power without limit. If he survives, it's dreaded curse. Uh, And he can, it's just all laid out for him right on the side of this temple. So that was lucky. (laughs) They just went right, he's read, right? Like it's like opening a book to just the right page.
1: (laughs) I know you don't even need to do research with piles of books like they used to do. And I'm thinking about like Buffy, how like they always used to be like well let's go to the library and they would get like humongous stacks of books to decode like one sentence
0: I I literally just finished Buffy the Vampire Slayer I've never seen it before but I've been watching it this year and I just finished it like this week
1: oh my gosh that was my show growing up
0: I am surprised I did not love it growing up it's pretty great uh viewing from a 2022 perspective there's lots of problems but oh, yeah. i oh, admire yeah. the scope of what they did uh, uh and, and the characters are lovely it was great it was fun yeah
1: cordelia was my favorite so
0: now that i'm thinking about it there was an episode early on where like there's a girl that xander's into that you're gets... talking
1: about into maya princess Susan. yeah yeah I the episode that you're talking about
0: it's kind of the lt gray story
1: yeah yeah <laughs> it is Although she's a princess who, like, when she kisses people, it, like, sucks their life out of them. So.
0: Yep. Not exactly. quite the yep. same. But. It just was 30 years later after this X-Men story. Yeah. And
1: Josephine is actually a huge fan of X-Men. Oh, so a he, lot of his...
0: He wrote the X-Men, but I would never feel right uh, interviewing him on the podcast, given the hashtag 2 no. stuff that we know about oh, him now. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. This
1: yeah. is definitely Buffy and X-Men and all other media I feel like with that kind of tint on it has to be a death of the author kind of situation where you just go yeah but like as an independent story, it's still good. Just don't look everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, talk about the talented stuff they've done, but yeah. don't don't give them a platform to share when we have uh, news about what they do behind the scenes sometimes. Oh,
1: yeah, and that's one of the really good things about good storytelling is once it is, you know published and sent out into the world, it becomes ours to look at and to take what we want from it rather than, necessarily the people who put it out there
0: once it's in the public consciousness so El Tigre now that these two guys have uh, promised to serve him he flies with them to New York City uh he yells at them not to ask questions you will merely obey me uh (laughs) this pendant is taking the darkest parts of this guy who's already an asshole and just making him even more of an asshole and a narcissist uh the pendant takes them all the way to New York City uh he uh El Tigre's furious when he can't get a cab so he mentally forces one passenger to believe he's overheating in the back of a car and the passenger runs out and uh then el tigre and his men climb in the cab (laughs) and these are guys who are clearly not from new york city
1: (laughs) i love that i love the effort too like don't just like telekinesis him out of the cab definitely like make him feel like he's having a medical episode
0: yeah he needs to think he is uh he is fully in menopause (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, uh the cab takes them to a hotel and el tigre wants a quote harmless diversion before they go looking for the pendant so they go to a nightclub and they're having some drinks and they're hanging out at a table looking hot as they sip their margaritas uh, and El Tigre is bored and he makes some customers fight. And this hits the like national news, uh, not national, the city news and the X-Men uh, hear about it. Uh, there's this image in the comic of the three guys sitting at the table, like having drinks. And there is literally a local Mexican restaurant like down the road from me in Salt Lake City where it the logo for that restaurant looks the same as this panel where <laughs> it's like the three guys sipping drinks at the table. And I was like, oh, I've eaten there. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I feel like X-Men kind of has that effect. Like you just trace lines from the comic. Like I'm actually thinking about Buffy right now because I don't know if you've seen it, but there was like a a side by side shot of Buffy and Faith dancing in an episode and then two people dancing in the X-Men cartoon and the movements were exactly the same, almost as if they had traced watched Buffy and like traced the movements with a like, pen and then made it into the illustration. Funny. That's yeah.
0: amazing. I haven't yeah. seen that. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, you should. Good.
0: <laughs> uh, so uh, El Tigre uh, is now in trouble with the police. Uh, so he runs from the police. Uh, the dame, the pendant warns him the police are coming and he takes his men to the city museum. I don't know if that's actually a place in New York city. I think it's fictional for the purposes of this story. Uh, and he senses, El Tigre senses Professor X in his mind and uses the pendant to block him. So like he's increasing in power. If you can block Professor X uh, when you have no mental talents, that's pretty fucking impressive. Uh, so the four male X-Men rush to the museum, but El Tigre has uh, set a trap for them. He animates a suit of armor to attack them. The X-Men are, uh, this is not their finest moment. We got a couple human guys that basically defeat them. Uh, Ramon uh, ties up Beast's feet with a bola. Tolok shatters Iceman's club with a sword, and then he trips him with a rope, and he falls down the stairs and hits the wall and knocks unconscious. Then he throws a spear at the angel, and then hits him with a a blow dart, which is dipped in sleeping drugs. And he even notes, like, "You're lucky I didn't put poison on this." And then El Tigre takes mental control of a museum guard and makes him hold Cyclops at gunpoint so that he can open a museum case and steal the other half of the pendant. And the two halves are joined together and it is all over. Uh, Gabrielle, tell me your thoughts on this this fight. Like these guys kicked the X-Men's asses.
1: Yeah, and as I was reading it in the background, I was hearing... (laughs) <laughs> like slipping on a banana peel running into a wall by accident tripping over each other is silly
0: we need some like America's Funniest Home video sound effects to go yeah. with this Whoop, Whoa! whoa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> three stooges like everything is like moving a little bit too fast like they used to do in old movies
0: uh, El Tigre joins the pendant together and says Already the rays of the pendants begin to act upon me. I feel new power, both mental and physical, surging through my body. And with each passing second, I grow stronger. And then he takes on the form of Kukul Khan himself. Uh, a caption box says The man called El Tigre is no more. In his place, the reincarnation of the mighty god Kukul Khan now strides the earth, omnipotent master of all he surveys. Now let humanity beware, for nothing can stand against the invincible, irresistible power of Kukul Khan. So apparently that's the curse. You join the pendant and you get power, but also you are no longer yourself. You are now the host body for an ancient god, which is not ideal for most people, I would argue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell yeah, me about...
1: I, would, I would think that would be a high price to pay for somebody uh, like Elsie right who has a bit of an ego problem if i do say so myself based yeah on what I've read.
0: narcissists want to be the biggest person in the room and when there's yeah. a god in your body that is not the case uh so gabriella tell me about this costume design like it's gorgeous it is beautiful i love it love it love it uh t- tell me about the costume
1: so it's very um let me like go back to it it's very like big like for lack of a better term i definitely see like the the serpent part of it because he has like a fanned out part behind his head i'm really bad at describing outfits so yeah it's like
0: it's like like it's like a like a cobra head almost like yeah, right kind of neck
1: and he has got like big old earrings and like Bra- bracelet for lack of a better term and like a necklace part like it's huge it's like a big outfit i i'm sure if it was real it would be heavy it would uh, have to be heavy
0: on his hat uh he has like a purple hat with like serpent-like stuff coming out the top mm-hmm. he's got like a it's almost like a cameo pendant on the center mm-hmm. of his forehead uh which seems to have somebody's face in it Uh, and the face reminds me of Namor the Submariner which is funny because of the (laughs) eyebrows but I'm kind of guessing this is like the visage of of Kukulkan
1: yeah Uh, I
0: think so and then the costume itself is like super detailed we've got like Whites and pinks and blues and purples over the golden skin and blacks. Uh, the belt, the the ribbed like corset he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it it is layered. It is intricate. It's it's beautiful. I really love this costume. In fact, I've commissioned someone to do a piece of art of Kukulcan for my wall, and he's a pretty uh, obscure character. So it tells you how much I love this character to to uh, to want him on my wall behind me.
1: That's amazing. I feel like um, I feel like it would be really hard to cosplay too, just because of the intricacy of everything, you know.
0: Yeah, I uh, can you think of any other comic characters that have uh, costumes that are this elaborate? The character Jack of Hearts comes to mind. Uh, it like uh, it, he's he's a he's currently being featured in the She-Hulk series. Um, he's got a super detailed costume. Uh, can you think of anyone else?
1: I cannot. I feel like this was also like kind of a bygone era of illustration, because now I feel like things are made as much more simply because they hire more artists to do quicker drawings of things. Like, I'm not sure how the industry works, but I would think it would be not very cost effective to have this intricate of an outfit, of a costume. I mean, for a character who's in like two,
0: comments sure sure and you can see the difference uh the last page of issue 25 is this gorgeous design and then when you flip to the cover of 26 kukulkan that mm. you can tell like this is a rushed cover he just doesn't look yeah. that great it's kind of sloppy you can see all the details still there but uh but he he just doesn't look that great any longer uh mm. um but he's amazing in issue 26 which we'll talk about uh there there's something powerful about the storyline where you have the villain willing to risk everything for power and then they lose themselves and end up unleashing some sort of crazy evil. I mean, talking about Buffy, that's the plot of like 60% of the episodes. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, give me sure. power and then, oh no, it's too much power. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, so as we as we get into this, uh, uh, we see uh, Khan shouting, um, Uh, well I'm going to just read the speech directly it's going to take me just a second to load it up while I am doing so if you have any thoughts feel free to share okay I got it Uh, he yells uh, now that he's taken over there's like gorgeous golden skin in this elaborate costume he yells the man called El Tigre is no more in his place the reincarnation of the mighty god Kukul Khan now strides the earth I already read this didn't I Listeners, my apologies. I'm going to read it again. He says, I am the omnipotent master of all he surveys. Let, now let humanity beware for nothing can stand against the invincible, irresistible power of Google dun, dun, dun. Uh, And then it says next issue, Holocaust, which is a problematic title for a lot of reasons.
1: I was just about to say it was such a mood switch. Like it was like, oh, how fabulous, like pink and purple outfit. So amazing, so beautiful. And like, whoa, how intimidating. And then it was like, Holocaust with an exclamation point after it. It's like, mm,
0: mm. Now, the word Holocaust uh, implies like the wiping out of a civilization. And when we're referring to the Mayans, what uh, we'll see the reference here is that his people, this God's people, were previously lost in a Holocaust. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, I, get it, but also it's like, it's a rough thing to call the title of a book. For sure. Um, uh, so El Tigre has lost himself and, uh, Kukulkan is now driving him and he is ready to reclaim his, like, Mayan birthright. Uh, Professor X uses, in, in 26, he uses Cerebro to, like, conjure an image of Khan, which is not something I think Cerebro can do most of the time, uh, but, he is, uh, he's clearly evil and he's walking around. He's saying, I can feel my mental par- prowess growing and now to it is added a physical strength second to none. Never can any mortal uh, have known such an overwhelming feeling of raw, irresistible power, but I am mortal no more. The essence of the divine Kukul Khan pervades my very being. Now I am he walking the earth after a millennium, come to claim the glory, which was once the Mayan's birthright. Uh, And he's still in the museum. He's just over there monologuing while Cyclops is held at gunpoint by this guard that has been uh, mentally, mentally controlled. Um, What do you think Kukulkan's goals are? Uh, What would you assume they are before we jump in?
1: I would assume that he's going to become the monster that destroyed his people and destroy other people
0: yeah i think he he wants to like restore the glory of his civilization yeah. like gods want to be worshipped right so this guy mm-hmm. wants to like go back and claim his power he's been gone for thousands of years and now he is ready to have people know he is a big fucking deal again
1: mm-hmm. and who wouldn't know he's a big fucking deal with that outfit them? i know not... i keep saying outfit instead of costume but it's an outfit to me
0: yeah no it is it is it is a and it is an outfit <laughs> 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 uh so like Tigris almost made like a deal with the devil maybe he didn't mean to but uh but yeah no i i love i love this villain from here forward i think he's great in this issue uh cyclops breaks free of the guard he hits Khan independent with his optic blast but it just repels back at him and knocks him out so again maybe some uh, funniest home video sound effects like and he falls down um Khan agrees to let Cyclops live so that he can tell others of his defeat. So there's always a reason the convenient. bad for you.
1: Convenient, convenient. <laughs>
0: Uh, Tolak and Ramon rush at Kukulkan because they want this pendant. They see how much power he's got, but he just knocks them aside. Unhand me, spineless dolts. Would you seek to lay hands on a god? The one you call El Tigre is gone forever. Uh, he gestures at this man, and he literally just sets the air on fucking fire around them. He is channeling the power of the sun to humble them. Uh, would you want this power, this, like, manipulation of solar energy?
1: I will say it's a little bit, just a, just a slight bit melodramatic. Um, just, just a little bit too far, you know, but what can I say? I think it's, I think it's very weird and cool. Um, definitely one of those things that like, as a kid, you would read and be like, wow, that's really scary and really cool. And as an adult, you'd be like, well, how though, like the air? like really (laughs) did he just heat it like it doesn't make sense as an adult but i think yeah just
0: channeling fire through the air i think uh i think 60s riders had like lists of like adjectives and like insulting nouns and you just combine together yes so just pick one for me spineless dolt
1: yeah he uses dolt a lot groveling
0: gargoyle
1: (laughs) well i've also noticed that in like the explanation on the bottom where like stanley adds in stuff and then it's like it's like it's like a quote from him and then it says like studious stan or like some other
0: adjective that's like, funny in the circumstances. It's so interesting. It's like Beast is writing it for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so Khan is now aware of his own power. He goes to the roof of the museum and yells, the powers unleashed by the joining of the two fragments of the annulet had lain dormant, unsuspected since the conquest of the Mayas four centuries ago. But now I must replenish these powers and increase them by returning to their primal source. Such is the destiny of Kukulcan." which I love this turning point in the story. He doesn't try to conquer New York. He doesn't stay there to fight the X-Men. He leaves. He creates this like crazy fucking like solar sled. There's like a like a circle of fire around him. And he like rides it through the sky to back to San Rico, this country that he came from. Uh, so like someone stole half of his goddamn amulet and put it in museum. And he had to go all the way to New York to get it. And now he's like, I'm going back to my base of power. Fuck all y'all. And then he like leaves it to the X-Men to, uh, to pursue him. I don't know. Tell me your thoughts on this guy.
1: I mean, that's how you make an exit. It's an amazing way to make an exit. I did picture though, he's on the roof of this building when he says all this. And I did, I did have like a bit of a laugh when I was like, nobody can hear him. Who's he talking to? You know, it's a little, it's a little odd.
0: Do you think Werner Roth was like, oh my God, I created this amazing costume and now I have to dry, like draw it over and over again?
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. I think it's fun. I think it'd be fun though, but maybe that's because I'm that an artist and I don't know how annoying it would be.
0: So Professor X calls Jean Gray. She's off as a student at Metro College, and he goes, I need you to go to the library and get me a book on pre-Columbian history and bring it here so that I can figure out who this guy Kuku Khan is. You think he could just read some minds or like use the internet? But this is the 60s. <laughs>
1: but I mean, he basically had the internet because he could read everybody's mind. Why not just like sit in the college and just like boop into the mind of like a history professor <laughs> if he really has to be connected to this college? Ex- it was just an excuse to have Jean, I know.
0: I know, Xavier has a crush on Jean and he misses her. He needs to see her. Uh. <laughs> uh when he gets the book he just like automatically flips open whatever he needs and he reads out loud according to authorities an old Mayan myth says the amulet is enchanted and that it will grant the wearer the awesome attributes of Kukulkan the feathered serpent god but legend also tells of a deadly curse on the pendant at the end of a time centuries ago when misuse of its divine powers led to a holocaust of violent upheaval probably archaeologists claim the basis of the story was a volcanic eruption which showered the mayan city with tons of molten lava so luckily there's like a whole wikipedia entry on this pendant (laughs) they now know what they're
1: convenient. it's all centered in one area nice
0: (laughs) uh so kukulkan lands in san rico in the jungle uh do you want to tell us what he does there what does he do once he gets back or I, I, I can keep the narrative going. He he, yeah. uh, he returns to the ruins where the pendant had been buried and with a powerful gesture, he raises this giant Stella. It's S-T-E-L-A, which is just a fancy word for like an ornate column. And it's ordained with his own image. There's a giant serpent head at the top. It's very phallic looking. It's like a penis rising out of the ground. Uh, and he it has a massive solar stone on top, which is a super powerful artifact which can then begin to absorb solar energy and channel uh kukulkan's power so this is how the x-men are going to defeat him in a minute by getting this like solar stone messed up so the pendant is doing one thing the solar stone is increasing his power he starts zapping things all over the fucking place like a power rangers villain he uh he clears out all of the jungle older overgrowth on the temples Uh, He says the city of my ancestors, the magic all conquering Maya is now fit for habitation now it must have people citizens of a new and invincible empire. Then he uses another blast to pave a road into the city. He creates a throne for himself and he is manspreading so much on this throat. Like his legs are, his knees are as far apart as possible. Luckily, there's a little loincloth to cover whatever he's got going on down there. You do not want to see his feathered serpent. It is a good thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dislocating his hips just so he can make sure that you see all of it. Wonderful.
0: Uh, So he is absorbing all of this solar energy into his pendant, Uh, he says, even when the world is dark enough for enough energy is stored for me to overcome any foe, Uh, and then he sends out a mental call so that all descendants of the Mayan race will be forced to answer quote his irresistible commands, Uh, he calls these people peons. Uh, He starts making all of these people in the country start digging for gold and forming an army. And he has built a whole fucking base of power with plans to expand to the rest of the world soon. Uh, This is what he wanted. He just wanted people to love him again, even if he has to make them do it with his own damn mind. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Uh, What are your thoughts on this guy's motivations?
1: But is it satisfying though? I don't know. I always have... I I feel like eventually his insecurity, if he was allowed to keep this going, I think, you know, his insecurities would uh, ruin this situation for him, I think.
0: Uh, He seems lonely. He just needs a hug.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But from somebody who wants to give him a hug. Right. That's the thing.
0: I think that's the key component through all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the X-Men arrive in San Rico and they're like super cruel to a bunch of animals. They're like beat up a jaguar and a boa constrictor and some caimans, which again, in the 1960s, like, ooh, let's let them fight jungle animals, right? Like, ugh, no. Uh, but they they close in on Khan's temple. Uh, he fights them as all his followers run away. He's yelling insults like witless dolts and impudent clods. We're back to the insult list. And uh, he fires solar blasts. Iceman blocks some of them uh, with the, excuse me, Iceman covers the solar stone in ice, which then weakens Kukulkan's power. He then lashes out with one big massive fucking blast to try to defeat them, but it ends up triggering an earthquake. Like he hit a a fault line or something, and the whole column with the solar stone collapses and uh, he is defeated. Uh, He changes back into El Tigre, Uh, Juan Meroz is tied up and taken away from the burning ruins uh, by the X-Men. And that's it for Google-Con. No one has ever put this pendant on. Again, they've never channeled this God character again. Uh, Tell me about the resolution of this issue. And like, what what do you think about how all this action turned up?
1: I think it's funny that it was him doing it to himself. Um, (laughs) The X-Men basically just had to make him mad like mad enough to try to fight back and then he you know i mean i know he was weakened but like i i just think it's funny that that it was just him beating himself essentially it seems a little convenient well there's always that
0: thing where the writer's running out of pages and they have to resolve it real fast
1: yeah that's kind of what it seems like here just because like his power seems like very cool and like very hardcore and then to just be like oops I made an earthquake, everything fell, and now I'm not here anymore. Goodbye.
0: There is an image I'm going to show you here of, uh, one second, of Iceman freezing the top of this column. uh, And it's the most, the, there's a couple 60s parts where like, it's so penis-y. <laughs> this is so yeah. Penis-y.
1: <laughs> there's the head. There it is.
0: With a little snake face growing out yeah. of it. And it's rumbling <laughs> down below. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah
1: um, I, I, I wonder what they're thinking when they made it this shape and size.
0: I Yeah, did someone sit back and go, this looks like a penis. This is a problem. <laughs> or maybe, there were, maybe our readers will like that.
1: I think they said, hey, let's figure out how we can make this look the most like a penis that we possibly could without getting in trouble. That's what I think.
0: Uh, so we have uh, we have the X-Men versus Kukul Khan is now completed. Uh, what do you what do you like about this villain? And if you were to bring him back, what would the story you would tell with Kukkul be?
1: The story I would tell, I'm gonna answer that first, would be a young boy named Joseph Smith decided to dig up <laughs> a strange gem. And then he sold it because he was, you know, that kind of person. I'm just kidding. That's,
0: no, that's, no, no, no. <laughs>
1: that's some Mormon history for the other. Um, no, I don't know. South, you South know,
0: Park kind of did that story. Did you ever watch those episodes of South Park where they I, of like the superhero team with like all the all the religious figures?
1: Yeah, it was excellent. Um, <laughs> no, but I think you know he just he seems like he could do so much more. I don't really know why they didn't include him more. I think I like that they left it open that he could come back in the future. I'm intensely curious about how they would do it if they ever did it again.
0: I think I mean, it, th- but, the, Marvel, the Marvel universe is full of like cults of bad guys who worship somebody, like the clan act. Yeah. A- Plan Aqaba worships Apocalypse, right? Or like mm-hmm. the villain, the Living Pharaoh, if you know that character, the Living Pharaoh has like the cult of the Living Pharaoh. He's like an X-Men villain. He shows up every decade or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you get a cult of people who are worshiping Khan and they find like someone worthy to receive this pendant. And then we have like a story where a character has been altered into being the vessel for Khan, and he's really powerful, I think. Uh, I yeah. think the solar energy part of it, like the Mayan civilization piece of it all, I think there's, uh, Beast is like conquered the nation of Costa Verde in, in the comics in X-Force, uh, which is in South America, another fictional country. There's a lot of stuff that could be done with this guy.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely think so. And like creating an earthquake, that's like the stuff of like mythology, like, oh yeah, this... Earthquake that destroyed like these whole areas of our country. That was because of a god. And like you would believe that if you were a kid being raised back then.
0: The you know? the solar energy sled that he creates in the air is so mm-hmm. cool. Uh that and is. the way he just zaps his shit around the jungle and like boosts his power and the costume does. I like this guy, I really yeah. like this villain. I think he's great.
1: Yeah, I'm really mad he was only in a couple stories. Look, I um
0: i think it's time i think it's let's bring him back the only other villain from the 60s books that's pretty obscure that i just fucking love is the locust i'll do an episode (laughs) about the locust sometime but i love i love this guy um el tigre has shown back up uh years later and uh in in a in a series called kesar lord of the jungle written by mike friedrich and i i think mike friedrich is coming on my podcast in a few months i'm waiting i'm waiting for confirmation but he's he's like an old classic writer who's been around 100 years i love him Mm -hmm. um don heck is on the book again and uh he's one of our favorite x-men writers so this is kazar lord of the hidden jungle three through five el tigre shows up again no kukul khan but he's, he's like manipulating people for personal gain. And there's a very obscure Khazar villain who debuted in X-Men in Khazar's first appearance. His name is Megawar, M-A-A hyphen G-O-R. Uh, he is overcome with power and he wants a human to help him achieve it. So he contacts El Tigre like across the planet from the Savage Land telepath- like telepathically and he's like come to the Savage Land and I'll give you great riches and uh, El Tigre goes there and Megor teaches El Tigre how to like take mental control of animals which apparently that's a power you can just teach people. Uh, he then uses an alien device from like to find oil under the ground. And El Tigre is like, yes, I'm going to exploit this ancient civilization to get all of your oil. And also I want all of your vibranium. And there's a whole bunch of nonsense that happens. He fights Kazar, and he fights Zabu and he takes over Zabu's mind with his new power. Zaboo's the saber tooth tiger. And then uh shield agent, Barbara Morse shows up. This is who the, the character who will become Mockingbird in the future. Uh, so this is kind of makes the story great. I love Bobby Morse. I love, love, love her. Uh, El Tigre is super creepy in this storyline. He takes a woman at knife point, uh, like, here, woman, lend you a body as my shield, and your kitchen knife is the insurance of that shield's long usage until my escape is assured. Uh, the, natives, the natives of the Savage Land, like, turn against him, beat the fuck out of this guy, and he runs away wounded where he finds Megor, and he begs him for help. Megor's Ma- like, no, you are not worthy of me any longer. Uh, And El Tigre runs into some mystic mists because he wants their power, but they end up like aging him and like tossing him off the cliff. (laughs) And then we've never seen that guy again. So not a super X-Men centric story, but uh, what do you think of the fate of El Tigre?
1: It's disappointing, but I also feel like he wasn't really the point of Khan. so I'm okay with it. He was just a vessel. But like, what a bummer. And also like, I feel like it's much more cool to try to steal gems if you're going to be a treasure hunter steal gems not oil don't be part of don't be part of the system you know
0: that's fair i this guy could come back obviously in comic oh, book, yeah. there's a million ways to survive he could even have superpowers i hate lt great but cookookon yeah. i i want him back right away mm-hmm. yeah uh i don't know this has been fun to nerd out with you gabriella what are your what are your oh. uh, final thoughts on this anything that stood out to you besides me teaching you about uh the khan jesus myth
1: <laughs> um, well that changed my perspective i want to go back to church um no never but uh this is really fun i love him now i did not know who he was before but i'm very glad that you taught me um and yeah thanks for having me this is so fun
0: this is fun as we're wrapping up uh obviously this will be released on patreon we'll eventually put it out as a public episode too but where can people find you online if they want to follow you because you're amazing
1: oh no, thanks um yeah i'm on facebook twitter uh instagram under the girl who sits that's like my username um and then i stream on twitch on uh saturdays sundays and thursdays and then um i have a blog called the girl who sits at the girl so if you want to visit me any of those places come say hi
0: much like the pendant of kukulkan you generate light wherever you are i think oh, you're such God. a I think you're such a talent i love your blog i I, i'm not someone who watches twitch much but i i guarantee you're a blast uh and i i just love nerding out with you whenever we can i think you're wonderful
1: you're the best i'm so excited to be here
0: um in our next patreon episode i'm going to be analyzing the character lucifer the guy who uh who paralyzed professor x with my friend Derek Kunskin. so come back we'll have uh, nonsense. I like to call him Dime Store Magneto. We're going to have a lot of conversations uh, about Lucifer. Uh, but this was fun, Gabriella. Thank you. Uh, and we'll see you guys back here next time.
1: Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Bye.